it was also really good for group work, like Ashley said, because finding people to do group work with outside of like class time is really difficult and like getting everyone's contact numbers especially when we're in different classes um different like ages different friend groups um it was so much more comfortable to just reach out to them while they're also sitting in a workshop lesson i remember when we used to have like triple full lessons like of english and then maybe and you would just feel so exhausted you wouldn't get a break from all the headiness mm. Welcome to this special series on learner agency, a defining feature in the emerging future of schools. I'm your host, Luca Parry, and in this collaboration between the Learning Future and the Association of Independent Schools of South Australia, we orbit 10 lessons shared by global education expert, Charlie Ledbeater. This is episode seven, how to recognize agency. A word that of course we've used quite a number of times across this series so far. And so we're gonna delve into this. Of course, Charlie, I'm gonna hand to you to give us an kind of an, an understanding of how we might recognize agency in our work. Well, thanks for, for being with us, Luca, and um, everyone else. Um, so this issue of recognition is really important because, of course, one of the things that keeps the old familiar system in place is, is the importance of assessment that actually learning is recognised through assessment and assessment is something that happens individually at the end of a process and it's usually a measure of knowledge and whether you've got the answer right or wrong. And so actually that whole framework of thinking about assessment is not the right way to think about how you might recognise something as complex as, as agency. You don't want an exam in agency or a, you know, a kind of written instruction. It's The whole point is that there might be many answers to problems. There might be many opportunities that you haven't envisaged that you want to explore. So, but, but students do need a way to be able to say, I've made progress or I feel more able to do this or to talk about what they can do to um, people they're going to work with in future or, or indeed to universities or, or what have you. And so this issue of recognition needs to bring together both recognition of knowledge, but the ability to ask questions, uh, to pull knowledge together from different disciplines, but also then to combine that with these dynamic capabilities of resilience and growth and empathy and collaboration that bring the knowledge to life and apply it. So I once did a, a session for the senior leadership of ACARA uh, in Australia. And uh, it was about this whole issue about how you recognize and assess agency. And what I asked them to do, there was about 200 of them in a sort of big room in a hotel in um, Sydney. And I said, just imagine for a moment that instead of knowledge of disciplines being the measure of what the education system should do, imagine that appreciation of music and the ability to enjoy music was the highest kind of calling in society. How would you go about assessing that or recognizing it? Because of course, you know, there are all sorts of conceptual skills and, you know, there's music notation and rhythm and, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's also performance. Um, there's um, about, there's emotion. There's sort of how you convey music, how you play it in different ways. There's collaboration because often music is done collaboratively, not very often individ purely individually. So imagine that you are trying to do that and, 
how would you, we know that there are ways of doing that because people are doing that the whole time. What if the entire system was really more like learning how to play an instrument and play music than knowing what the answer to this question was in this subject? Imagine it was a multidisciplinary, whole body, hand, heart, head kind of experience. How would we do that? That is much more the kind of question we should be asking. Is what would recognizing learning be like if it was more like music than history, maths, English, science? It's a wonderful starting point, Charlie, um, because it immediately calls into mind, you know, knowledge, skills, capabilities, as opposed to, you know, the, the old almost um, cliche now, it's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. With being so true, I mean, the idea here of mastery um, of even things like motivation to learn an instrument. Why learn an instrument is another great question, I think, to pose. Just give us a little bit more about this kind of the world of recognition, of how in some ways we have this cognitive primacy uh, of achievement and why recognizing agency could be a way to overcome where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's recognizing it in yourself, isn't it? It's recognizing it in others. It's having it recognized by others, not just your teachers, but by your peers, your colleagues. It's about students being able to give a much rounder account of themselves and what they can do, what they're motivated by. And and as you say, I think it's about being able to explain what you know in the context of what you do and what you can do and what you're interested in. So it's creating ways for students to give fuller accounts of themselves. But I think it's also, and it's very important for students, they want to know, you know, am I doing better or have I made progress? So it's also about how you build these things up. So it's about giving them a sense of the steps involved. And there is a sort of structure to it. And there is a sort of, um, if you like, a certain kind of pattern to it. It's not just chaotic. It's not just choice and activity and voice. And it's building capabilities to do it and learning how to be better at it. And I think one of the things that you see in the schools is that the students are becoming better and better able to give more and more reflective, sophisticated, responsible accounts of their own agency. And that's really what young people want to be able to do they want to be able to tell a story about themselves in a structured way which is authentic and um, conveys who they are um, not just what results they've got mm. oh that's fantastic charlie uh we're going to dive right into the lived experiences of two different schools and two educators we have here in the studio uh so as we do that we'd love to know um who you are and where you've come from. And Lindy, we'll start with you. Um, yeah, my name's Lindy and I'm from Tadachila, which is a school about 40 kilometres uh, south of Adelaide down in the wine re- regions, beautiful area. Great to have you here. Thanks so much. And I'm Fiona. I work at the Mount Barker Water School, which is up in the hills above Adelaide and is a delightful place. We have a lovely rolling ground in co-ed school, uh, K-12. It's like an advertisement for Adelaide over here, Charlie, as you can hear, which is wonderful. It is a beautiful part of the world. Um, Fiona, let's start with you. And both of you have had colleagues already contribute across this this series as well. So listeners would have a little bit of understanding about the journey so far. Um, but give us a sense around this idea of recognising agency 
in the way that we do that. Where did you begin on this journey and where have you gotten to so far? Well, in earlier work, Charlie invited us to think about metaphors and we've had a lot of fun with the metaphors of this. And I, I think um, Nick and Eleanor had previously spoken about uh, the idea of our school as a, a train with a fairly predictable um, trajectory around certain highlights um, that everybody knows to expect and students more or less quite safe and comfortable um, with not always a lot of agency in that. Um, but we also talked about the idea of the brown painting. This is a, um, we do a lot of painting in our, especially in our primary school, actually throughout the school, um, painting is, a, uh, is very frequent for students. And we were thinking of the moments when a whole class um, is set up to do a particular painting um, and they all just sort of turn out the same. And it's not, um, it's not a great deal of agency <laughs> in that moment. So you have a whole stack of different um, slight variations on the theme. Um, and we were talking about, you know, what, what would agency look like in that situation where a student uh, was much freer to choose, but they probably would end up with a fairly brown uh, painting that had perhaps not the qualities you were looking to teach, um, but that did represent their best judgment about when to stop. <laughs> Maybe they did not pick that point um, quite right, but they, you know, that's an example of um, perhaps um, early developing agency. So we had done several little side trips of that nature where we, we tried different things out. Mm. Um, I know we've spoken about our, our main feature was the workshop uh, lesson, um, which we tried with senior, senior students, uh, and it has worked out quite well with them, um, although it's had its ups and downs. Um, that was an, another attempt to get off the train and mm. to let them direct their own learning. That's great. I love this metaphor of the brown penny. You just added slightly too many colours and it's all kind of getting to that point. Um, that's wonderful. Uh, Lindy, we'll go to you. Give us a sense of the journey as well from Tadachila. And, and, you know, we've heard from John um, on the previous podcast as well around new patterns. What about this sense of, um, you know, recognising agency? Um, so I guess as a staff, we, well, the people on the project anyway, we certainly started to unpack um, where we saw agency uh, and around the time we started um, the project we had um, Australian Leader and World Service come in and we were doing some fundraising and one of the classes really wanted to create this busking fair and we just looked at how um, that was really playful in nature and the, the students had um, a real sense of purpose with the fundraising coming up with that idea um, and kind of um, the way that it made everyone feel uh, coming into school every day and there were just so many talents that came out from the children. So we thought we recognised that we saw some real agency there. We looked at the conditions, um, how did we create that? And then we thought, well, how do we actually start to build on this further? Um, and I think around the time COVID happened as well and we had um, home learning start and one of the things the students liked was having longer blocks of learning and it kind of led us down this path of looking at our timetable too. Um, so that was, you know, part of our journey as well, looking at the conditions for agency. Mm, I love it. And so, again, links into new patterns really clearly, Charlie, from our last conversation. Um, Del, take us into this idea of recognition for both of you. You know, you're both in schools right now. And Charlie's kind of framed this up already. The idea is, you know, we've got curriculum here in Australia, just like all countries do. 
you know, there are things that seem to be considered easier to assess. Um, how do you even get into the idea of recognizing agency in, in a school context and elevating that so that it's part of the, the discourse, part of the language and the part of what's, what matters? We actually had a, a go at making a rubric for agency and it had several things in it that started on, um, for example, um, the idea of an individual coming up with an idea, perhaps then a level up from that, making a plan, then perhaps initiating um, to work with others because our, our focus was collaborative agency, mm -hmm. um, holding that vision across a certain amount of time and carrying out the actual plan. Um, and also then with other people, um, there was dispositional things that went along with it. So um, the willingness to share an idea, uh, to speak confidently about it, these are all quite, uh, we thought initially this would be quite intangible and hard to observe, mm. but it turned out to be um, not as difficult as we thought. So you can kind of, you can see evident pride in a student that's bringing an idea to a group. Um, you can see when they're, they're slightly nervous in delivering a presentation because they really want it to go well. Yeah. Um, you can see them helping out teammates when it's the teammates turn to speak because they want the whole of the presentation to work. And um, so it, that was very interesting. And I think, but it, it did sort of run into the problem that most of the time we're assessing standards. And this, we did find a place for this kind of rubric to fit um, in capability four, which is mainly about um, uh, students taking charge of their learning. So um, in some cases, we've slid that into reports just alongside the standards in mm. order to give it a place. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Ele elevating it into this position. Um, Lindy, anything you want to contribute to that before we go back to Charlie? Um, yeah, I was just going to add our school. We were looking at um, creative agency. I teach reception, so I'm very interested um, in play and how those children are in that sense of purpose because I really, I can see when they're in that sense of flow and you really think, I think young children do develop agency through play, so I'm very interested in that. Our school, um, obviously being R to 12, and we had our middle and senior school too. So for us, we ran into some challenges and I think we're really at the point where we need to look at what are the capabilities from children right from reception and how do we grow that across the school with the children too. Mm. Charlie, comments from you? Yeah. Um, well, I think there's a lot in all of that, isn't there? So I was struck by Linda talking about um, being able to notice where agency happens and when it happens and the conditions. And so there is something, isn't there, about being ready to notice it um, when, when it's there and observing it and um, pulling it out. Um, and I'm struck by both schools really thinking about creating some sort of series of steps or a progression of the building of different kind of capabilities and skills and how they come together and that you can't go from naught to zero. You can't go from zero to sort of a hundred in, in one step. You end up with the brown painting, you know, and the brown <laughs> painting is a really good metaphor for sort of, you know, what, what can go wrong. And then people say, Oh, you've just produced a brown painting. That's crap let's get back on the train you know because so you've got to get beyond that and how do you get beyond that you don't get beyond it by saying don't do a brown painting you you get beyond it in steps presumably by trying things out and learning from others and creating a bit of a structure and reflecting on what you've done and and gradually improving it so 
I do think it's really important that uh, one of the ways that um, sort of all this stuff, this agency stuff can be belittled is say, oh, it's all sort of rather kind of unstructured, isn't it? And it's sort of just, a, it's just play or it's just, you know, and actually it's not, it's, it's structured. Actually students, you want some structure. They want to know how they're making progress and what more they can do. Um, so it's not, you know, just let a thousand flowers bloom. It, it's about the structured uh, development of agency across several dimensions of what students are capable of. And, and so I like this rubric that Mount Baker have got of, you know, idea, plan, initiate, deploy, build, share, communicate, you know, because there are all sorts of different things in that there, that you've got to do, and different elements of it that you can, um, and that is much more like how we are in the actual world outside school. That is much more like what they are going to have to be like. Um, and so knowing how knowledge feeds into that and other capabilities is very important. So I do think it's really important to to not fall into the trap of thinking this is just about, you know, free-form learning. Mm. There's structure, but it's a different kind of structure. It's not the structure of a timetable. It's getting off the train for certain, but it's not just then wallowing in the brown painting and telling kids that the brown painting's great, um, you know, because the brown painting isn't great, actually. They're capable of much more than that. That's great, Charlie. Uh, I'm interested in the challenges uh, as you try to do this work, I mean, as, as you try to elevate a rubric, for example, Fiona, um, what have you encountered in terms of challenges in terms of trying to articulate the value of agency by recognizing it as part of perhaps our hypothesis, the core of a powerful learning experience? It's really hard to let go of the product to want that, you know, in our case, main lesson book, particularly to be beautiful, mm. all formatted and lovely. Um, but it can be very useful to remind ourselves that the product is the student and their learning. So quite aside from that, what I found reassuring is that um, if you introduce a bit more peer feedback, peer um, review among students, that can often, and you've given them the, the language to use to talk about agency, they can often reflect on their learning in a way that surprises you. Mm. You really did get that. And you know how to talk about it. So um, again, you've got to put the time and the, the language behind it to get that result. But it's it's been a very agreeable. <laughs> Fantastic, Lindy. What about you? What's been the challenge for for your work around this recognition piece? Um, I think it comes back to recognizing within yourself. You say that you hold this particular image of the child a lot and it's, you know, it's documented on our website. We talk about it all the time. Mm. But in a teaching day, there's a 100 things and choices and decisions that you make where you're, you can allow agency or you can really cycle it. So it's keeping that front and centre in your mind because I see the teacher next door maybe gluing task sheets in for kids and I even think they can actually do that for themselves. It's a small thing, I know but it, your actions actually speak volumes for what your true image of the child really is. It's so good. That, that powerfully links back to the, you know, the idea of the role of a teacher as well, Charlie, like in some of the ground we've covered. Yeah, I mean, both the role of the teacher, but uh, I'm very struck by, by Lindy saying that, you know, you, there's a, some sort of um, 
formal statement that schools have about we see our children like that but actually below the level a lot of the assumptions are different aren't they the culture of what children are capable of what they can be trusted with so on and so forth and sort of if you like the hidden tacit assumptions that we make and the sort of hidden curriculum if you like it that is implied by that is quite different it's very easy to revert to that that's what Lindy's Lindy's talking about it's very easy to find oneself being dragged back into that kind of familiar arrangement because it's easy and it you know where you are with it and so on and so forth so sort of constantly you know knowing and I guess you know so that one of the themes of, of our discussions has been there's no agency for students unless there's agency for teachers and there's no responsibility for students unless there's also responsibility for teachers and teachers have a responsibility to keep stepping in you know and not retreating back to the familiar but that's a difficult thing to do uh, it's this, yeah. It's how do we enable others as we enable ourselves? It's just an interesting question, Charlie. Consider ourselves as part of this. No, not to other. You know, students should, teachers should. Suppose just us seeing ourselves as part of this, yeah. this journey. Um, and I think in all of our discussions, it, you know, one of the elements of recognizing agency and progress is is teachers sort of really realizing that they're in it. You know that, that it's not just a, a thing that they do or a project or a product. It's they're actually in it, and they can they can also feel it. Um, so I think there has to be a, a, a you know a sense of teachers recognizing in students, but recognizing it almost in themselves as well, and and a sense that they can go with students on this journey of, of stepping it up and uh, finding more. So, Lindy and Fiona, what's something that's kind of surprised you in this journey and where do you think, well, where would you like to go next? What's the plan um, to continue to step into the unknown? Fiona, we'll start with you. I think what it surprised us, because we, we didn't start with a philosophy, I think we started with making that space for the workshops to happen and the students to guide their own uh, learning in that time, um, was that there was a different flow of energy altogether. And I think Charlie's spoken about this before, but the, the chaos that sometimes reigns, it's a whole lot um, more difficult to predict. And some days it's a bit on and sometimes off and you can't quite figure out why. And you need to, I think one of the, the surprising things was just how variable the energy was. And I started to think of it in terms of putting a lot of our energy in at the beginning of projects to get the enthusiasm and motivation um, and spark ideas. Um, and that energy becomes the, the student fuel for, for it. So instead of a teacher continuously pushing in a fairly steady slogging kind of fashion, it's got this rise and fall as mm. the students take it somewhere. And then um, another delightful surprise is that watching them bring it home, is, it, mm. it's great. You can. Um, then step back, perhaps the teacher role then becomes more observing um, because I think we sometimes feel a bit guilty when we're like, shouldn't I be teaching something right now? But um, actually at that point um, it's, it's a perfectly reasonable thing to observe mm. and just gather more data about where they've they're, they're, they're come to. Mm. Fantastic. Lindy? Um, something that really surprised me right back early on, um, I was in a leadership role for two years and we had a shadow day where we, and I shadowed a five-year-old 
Mm. And I got to be that child for the day. And I was really surprised at the amount of time he spent sitting uh, passively. Um, yeah. And I think just the amount of transitions that we were expecting a five-year-old to, really short amounts of time doing something. And, you know, I was getting into it. We were drawing something. I like drawing. And the teacher was like, pack it away now. <laughs> I didn't want to pack it away. Neither did the child. <laughs> So I think, yeah, that started me thinking a lot of what's happening is done to children all the time. And when I've gone back into the classroom this year, I've really tried to remember that. And I guess for, for our school, um, kind of the where to next, we had a lot of, we were quite top heavy on, on leadership on the project. And I think had we had more uh, maybe middle management or, I mean, I'm a teacher now, um, it could have infiltrated more across the school. Mm. So we're really at that point now where we're sharing the journey with other teachers and trying to find those champions and, and build on it more because we've had significant changes with leadership and people coming and going out mm. of the project too. So it's almost like back to the drawing board. Our timetable is going back to what it was previously, so we've lost that too. But, um, yeah, we're still wanting to keep the momentum going and find ways to do that. That's great. Okay. Uh, I have a final question for both of you and then, Charlie, I'll come to you to close us out. Uh, if you could provide one piece of advice to people undertaking this work, wherever they happen to be in the world, uh, what would that piece of advice be? I think it's, uh, it is very important to do the thing that we imagine, Charlie, the narrative, um, and keep, that, keep telling the story. Um, and also telling the story of how the energy is and flows and give people a bit of an idea what to expect since we've now had that experience and we're going to have to rediscover that. Um, just to be prepared for it to be different and indifferent in that way so that they don't freak out and shut it down. <laughs> Fantastic. Lindy? I just think embracing failure because we have encountered lots of failures along the way and it does feel really uncomfortable when, like, you haven't achieved something but it's part of the process and if it's what you believe in, which I do with agency, and you're passionate about it, it's back to the drawing board and find, you know, another way and just refine what you're doing and keep being prepared to do that. I love that. And, yeah, think of that five-year-old that's moving through that real beautiful deep empathy work that sometimes we forget about. Um, all the little humans in our schools and, and the big humans. Charlie, how, how do you want to close out this this conception around how to recognise agency, Lesson 7? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very struck by Lindy's story of shadowing that five-year-old and stepping into their experience. And, you know, so much of this project has been, you know, one of the points where, where you, I think you get the energy that um, Fiona's talking about is when, you do engage the student perspective and the student voice and, and really kind of key into that and see the world from their point of view and get them to tell you what they want and what they're capable of and what they're moved by. And so I, I do think that that's, that sort of stepping from recognising students as agents and subjects and protagonists, not just sort of recipients or objects or things to be organised or, or what have you, um, so that I think is is very powerful. I am really struck by by Fiona talking about the ebb and flow of the energy, 
and not being thrown by that. So, you know, the metaphor that Mount Baker Waldorf had, which is this train system, get on the train, you're on this carriage, you move to the next carriage, there's a timetable, here are the tracks, you know, there's the engine, the teachers are sort of the engine pulling it along. Um, that's all quite predictable, isn't it? And, and you know, it should run on time. And, you know, there are all sorts of metaphors associated with that. Whereas whereas what she's talking about is, mu is much more variable. And it's easy to get thrown when the energy dips or it doesn't work and and it's easy then to do the wrong thing to get back on the train in a way and actually learning what the right thing is because the energy will come back you'll you'll find it it's it is much more like playing music you know it is much more i think it's a much much more helpful metaphor to think actually this is a bit more like music you know sometimes you play the piece and it's fantastic and sometimes it's crap and sometimes the, they come together and sometimes they don't. And, you know, often it's about being in the moment, but it's also about preparation. It's about practice. It's about, you know, putting in the work, you know, that gets you to, to that point. And not kidding people that there's shortcuts. You know, actually you have to put in the work. And when you put in the work, you get better results. And that's what it feels like when you perform and it all comes together in that sense of, of flow. So... I do think that there is there is something in all of this. We're at a very, I think, still at a fairly early stage. And I think there are all sorts of different ways this can go. But this sense that we're trying to allow students to tell a story about themselves, which is a fuller, richer story, and isn't just a story about what happens at the end. You know, too much of education is defined by the end. You know, what do you come out with? That's, you know... I mean, there's so much that's more interesting about how you got to where you got to, what the journey was like, what did you do on the journey, what did you discover? And we've got to find a way for young people to be able to tell that story and to realise that that story is important. And and really, in, in the world, that's the story. It's the story of the journey that you're on and what kind of person you are to be with on that, that kind of journey that really um, matters. So I think there's lots to lots to work with here um, and, and lots of potential in this. How do we recognise agency? How do students recognise it? How do they talk about it in a structured way um, that gives them a way to give an account of it that makes sense to other people um, and isn't um, just, um, just an assessment at the end, gives you a picture of everything that's gone into it. Fantastic way to... Bring bring to an end our conversation today on how to recognize agency. Charlie, thank you. A huge thank you as well to Lindy and Fiona for being here with us. And thank you for listening to lesson number seven, how to recognize agency. 